Welcome to the airways of uh, the Voice of the Cape, and of course you're with myself, Mohammed Zain Machit, the Voice of the Cape, ninety-one point three FM, and of course the program being Q and A, and of course uh, we have uh, the great pleasure and honour. He's on Hajj at the moment, all the way from Makkah al Mukarramah, none other than the Honourable Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussein. Assalamu alaikum, Mufti. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa Mashallah, how's Mufti and how's the wonderful uh, lands of Makkah al Mukarramah? Alhamdulillah, Makkah al Mukarramah is fine, but I need to be honest to know that now they have put that collapsible mataf around the Baytullah. So, according to me, if you have the area to perform tawaf, is really restricted. But inshallah, once everything is completed, then everything will be fine. So we make dua all until Allah accepts everyone and make it easy for everyone, inshallah. Inshallah. Well, going straight into our first question, and let me remind the, the listeners that, of course, you can SMS us on the number 47913. However, we're not taking any calls this evening. We're not taking any calls. But, however, the questions that we are dealing with this evening is, of course, questions that we were receiving last week via the SMS line. So we have quite a lot of questions, and I doubt even that we will be able to complete all of those 120 uh, SMSs that we received. So bear with us, but you may send us your SMS misses on the number 47913. Mufti, uh, first question, is it permissible in Islam when a couple can't have any children of their own, are they allowed to adopt? All praise due to all Allah, the sustainer, nourisher and cherisher of this universe. Please blessings and salutations be upon our beloved master and leader. Nabi Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In that case, it will be permissible for the couple to adopt. However, three things they should bear the cognizance of and take into consideration. Number one, Surah 33, Surah Ahzab, verse number five. Udu'uhum li'aba'ihim wa aqsatu in the law. When they adopt the baby, then the baby must maintain the biological father's name or surname. And if you do not know the name, then you say that that son or daughter is a son of Islam, for example. Second is that they should try and breastfeed the baby if the baby is less than two lunar years old. So the child is six months, eight months, one year old. So take medication or adopted mother and breastfeed the baby. So then there will be no laws of hijab and parada when the child grows up. Because you will be the foster mother and the child the foster child. And the third one will be the adopted child in Islam that will inherit, but the easy way to circumvent and solve that will be that you could make wasiyah and bequeath for the adopted baby up to one-third of your total estate. So that is the three things you should take into consideration. Q&A, the voice of Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussein on The Voice of the Cape. Next question, it says, Mufti Ratib, is that a part of Islam? We must remember that there are certain things that have become custom and tradition in certain people and then they make it part of Islam. When you have dancing or you have fireworks, fire display, or you have things like that and it is done on special nights or so forth, so definitely these things are foreign and have no place and basis in Islam. We must abstain and refrain from such practices. Mufti, is it haram to donate your organs after death? 
in Islam, if a person wants to donate, for example, the eyes or something, so there be different opinion among ulama, our verdict is it is permissible. All may Allah Jalla say, Whosoever saves a life, it is though as we have saved humanity at large. So we need to become an asset to humanity. So in that way, day, inshallah, during our lifetime, if we donate organs, or after our death, we say that a certain realm or path can be used. So all that is permissible, but we cannot sell the organ that is haram, but to donate it is permissible. She can indeed. Next question. Husband discovered his wife's family is part of the Ahmadiyya movement. What does the husband do, Mufti? If the husband and his wife, they know that the in-laws have joined the Ahmadi movement, then it is compulsory upon them to go and speak to them and bring them back into the fold of Islam. Because Ahmadis and Qadianis are definitely out of the fold of Islam. And if they insist and persist, they want to remain with them, then they should be compulsory upon the husband and the wife to totally boycott these people and have nothing to do with them. That would be compulsory because now they have become murtad and out of the fall of Islam. Shukran indeed. The voice of Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussain, you're on the voice of the Cape Q&A, taking your SMSs via the number 47913. You can send us your questions via SMS on the number 47913. However, just uh, we're not taking any calls, but uh, your question that you're SMSing this evening will probably be dealing uh, with that, inshallah, next week. What we're going to do is quickly pay the bills. And just a reminder that we have Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussain on the line, so just bear with us. There's a slight delay. And also, Maka quite busy with all the cell phones and the networks. And that's why the line is a bit crackly there. But stay with us. We continue off. Welcome back to the Airways of uh, The Voice of the Cape. We continue now with the program Q&A. And, of course, on the line from Makkah al we have the Honorable Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussain answering all of your questions. On to our next question, Mufti. It says, can a tailor work with pig leather? In Islam, the swine pig is haram, bumper to bumper, top to bottom. So the tailor or anybody else cannot use anything of the swine or the pig, whether it is the skin or the hide or whether it is the pork or whatever else it might be. It is absolutely haram. The Quran Karim says, O oh, that it is something impure, therefore it is not permissible according to the Ahlul Sunnah to use any part of the Khidrir and the swine and pig. Now Mufti, I'd like to know, if you had a child out of wedlock and the couple gets married, does the child and the rest of the children have the right to know that that child is out of, was born out of wedlock? Remember that in this case, the boy and girl who are involved in fornication must make some chiyatoba. They should read Surah, 4, Surah 24, Surah Nur, verse 2. Surah 24, Surah Nur, verse 2, where all my Allah says, Fajlidu kulla wahidin min umamir jalda, that those parties should be given hundred lashes in public. And in that way, that is a punishment. Obviously, that is in a proper Muslim country. So both parties should repent and make sincere toba. Now they, re- they married, and then, mashallah, they had other children. They don't have to go and tell the children about that, but they must know that the first child, then the lineage of the first child, an illegitimate child, 
there is no blame on the child, but that illegitimate child's lineage will go to the mother and not the father. All the other children, the, the children are legitimate, so their nasab and lineage will go to the father. So automatically the people will come to know eventually, but you don't have to go and inform them. Mufti, I'm a young boy and I want to know what I can do if my mom stand her sons off for her new husband that moved in recently. He doesn't even work. Obviously, in a case like that, you need to explain to your mother that she made a bad decision and now this person here, the new husband, let's call him that, he is a parasite and he just wants to live off your mom and so forth. So in that case, your advice must be, Quran Karim says, وَقُلَّهُمْ قَوْلًا Karima. And you should speak to them in a very honorable manner. Don't go and scream and shout at her, but give her advice and make dua to all. We all can make mistakes in life. She made a terrible mistake by marrying such a person. So you need to tell her that she must get rid of this person or he must start fulfilling his duties. And that is taking care of your mother. She can indeed. Mufti, uh, I know the rules of wearing hoofs, but the other day I was told that if you take wudu, put on socks, and if your feet don't touch the ground, you can treat it like hoofs. Is that true? No, that's not true. Remember that hoof has their own condition. It must be waterproof, and you know there are other conditions as well. There's nothing like this that you know that if you put it on the ground and it can walk with it, for example, the normal nylon sock or cotton sock, according to the four schools, the Shafi'is, the Malikis, Hanafis, Hanbalis, no one allows that and they does not, not specify as a hoof. So therefore, we cannot use that and say that is a hoof. Indeed, next question, um, a lady wants to know who qualifies to be her mahram? Remember so for the men, our mothers are haram, our daughters are haram, our sisters are haram. You don't just tell it the opposite way. You must say your father, your brother, your son, your nephew. These are the people who are your mahram. You can never ever marry them, nor now, nor in the future. So those are the people who are specified as a mahram. Shikhan, indeed, the voice of Mufti Abdul Qadr Husseini on the voice of the Cape, and of course uh, joining us uh, from Makkah al Mukarrama, and uh, that is why the networks are quite busy on that side, and that's why you will hear the line breaking up a little bit. Next question that came through, it says, Salam Mufti, what advice can you give for a nagging, disobedient husband? I thought it was only the wives that are nagging, but we'll get a comment from Mufti after this. Welcome back. We continue on the, the airways of uh, the Voice of the Cape with the program Q&A with myself, Mohammed Zain Machit, and of course the Honorable Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussein. Still taking your questions via SMS on the number 47913. But however, we are not taking calls this evening. And just a reminder also that we are dealing with questions that we received last week. So we have quite a lot of questions that we need to still answer. If we can't answer your question this evening, it will definitely carry over for next week. Well, the question we posed, Mufti, before the break, it says, Salam, Mufti, what a advice can you give for a nagging disobedient husband obviously in a case like this where the husband is nagging all the time the wife should start uh, eating with the husband at home take the house in the famous hadith kitab and do the ta'alim whenever it's convenient for both parties husband and wife 
and inshallah gradually gradually things will change for the husband to keep on begging and treat his wife like a small child all that is unacceptable you need to read to him and show him surah 4 surah isra verse 19 you the husband you must treat your wife with equity justice love friendliness so it shows that we also you know respect breathe so you need to show respect to your wife and then she will respect you as well. So both of you, my advice, read the following. Surah 25, verse 74. Rabbana hablana min azwajina fihatina kurmata ayun. Allah grant us the spouses and children to the coolness of the eyes. Read, ya wadud, ya wadud, ya wadud. Oh Allah, you are the one who brings love. So bring more and more love and enhance our marriage, O beloved Allah. Shukran indeed. Next question, Mufti. What is the Islamic ruling on my mother that passed away uh, a, a year ago regarding her clothing, all her personal things like jewelry, etc., uh, if she has uh, four sons and a daughter? In a case like this, when a person passes away as a Muslim, then remember we need to expedite matters and justice delayed is justice denied. So first of all, you, the sons, the daughter, you should make dua for beloved mother. Surah 14, Surah Ibrahim, verse 41. Rabbana fili wali walidayya walil mu'mineen ayom ayakumul hisab. Oh Allah, beloved Allah, forgive me. Forgive my parents. Forgive the believers. Yom ayakumul hisab. The day the accountability is established. So in that way, all Allah will forgive her, inshallah, and elevate her rank and status. First thing you need to do is pay for the burial expenses. The second one, if she had any debts, whether personal or business debts, all that must be paid to the creditors. Third, if she made wasiya, for example, she said, give the voice of the cave 1,000 rand, 10,000 rand. So that must be implemented. Wasiya is for non-aids, whether it's a person, organization, and maximum amount is one-third of the total estate. And the fourth one is the shares of the aids. So if there are four sons and one daughter, then in that case there you make nine shares, and then eight shares will go to the sons, two two shares each, and one daughter will receive one share. So in that way they easy big nine shares, but try and do it as soon as possible to not delay because already one year has passed. Indeed. The next question says, I'm not sure, actually, Mufti, whether the parent uh, or, the, or the mother or the father is a non-Muslim, but it says, uh, please ask Mufti, if I have a child by a non-Muslim, can the non-Muslim uh, korbani for the child? And also, what rights does that parent have over the child that's non-Muslim? Obviously, in a case like that, if it is a mother that is a non-Muslim, then and the person, the male, is a Muslim, and still, obviously, that is haram, or the other way around, both ways is absolutely haram. And the question now asks, can the non-Muslim person make the qurban? It will not be valid in this sense, because remember that, you know, the qurbani must be done by the person, and not trying to now just fix up your guilt, which you have done. So we will say in the case like that, that the party who is a non-Muslim should embrace Islam, and thereafter they should repent, and thereafter they should be married, and the child that is born without marriage, and you know one party Muslim, one party non-Muslim, so that child will be illegitimate, and the lineage will go to the mother. So just to make Urbani, that will not help in any case in this matter here. 
So we will say that what you should do is first embrace Islam and make some sincere tawbah, and then you can do all the qurbani and so forth. Shukran indeed. Now, Mufti, what is the significance of three and seven nights of the disease, and what happens on these nights? Just repeat the question, Muhammad Zain, please. The question is, what is the significance of three and seven nights? When someone passes away, you find that people have certain dhikrs, and does Mufti also know what happens on these nights, the third night and the seventh night, after the person has passed on? When a person passes away in Islam, the mourning period is three days, meaning for three days we can be said the only person that is exempted from this is the lady whose husband passed away because the Quran Karim states, it's that is four months and ten days, 150 days from the time of death normally. However, to say that now you must have a three-day khatam, seven-day khatam, 40-day khatam, all of this has no basis in Islam. Remember, we are supposed to make dua for the deceased. We lost our father, mother, wife, children, whatever. So make dua for them daily. Read Surah 14, Surah Ibrahim, verse 41. Read Surah 59, verse 10. Surah 59, Surah Hashar. رَبَّنَا فِي لَنَا وَلِحْوَانِنَا الَّذِينَ سَبَقُونَا بِالْإِيمَانِ Oh Allah, forgive us, forgive our brothers who have passed away before us with Iman. Give charity on their behalf and make dua for them daily. Now in a case like this, as you say, three days, seven days, 40 days. So it means we are saying that no, I will not make dua till the seven days or three days. So obviously this is no basis in Islam. Shikhan, dear Mufti, next question. Um, the person who died on the cross, who took the place of Nabi Isa, salam, was he a Muslim? No, he was not a Muslim. You must remember all Majallah mentions it in the Noble Quran. That they tried to kill Nabi Isa, salam, but nor did they kill him, nor did they crucify him. They themselves were put into a quandary and, you know, confusion. So they took one of their own people and they slaughtered him. And all Allah rescued Nabi Isa, all Allah elevated and picked up Nabi, Nabi Isa salam, to the heavens. So we as Ahlul Sunnah wa Jama'ah believe that Nabi Isa salam, is physically alive up to this day. And before Qiyamah he will come down. And then his, one of the greatest missions of his will be to kill the Dajjal. And that will be in the land of Lud in Palestine. Lud is between Jerusalem and Tel Aviv. Mufti, is it permissible for a male to lead the salah for a female colleague at work as they are the only two performing salah at work as it, it is haram for a male and a female colleague to be alone without a third person present, Mufti? In a case like that, they should not be making salah together. They should be making salah separately because when they are alone, Nabi alayhi salatu salam said, La yakhluwanna rajulun bimraatin illa wa ta'ali thumma shaitan. When you have a strange male and a strange female and they're alone, the third party there will be shaitan. So the shaitan will tell them, let's make jama'at. And then one thing to lead to another. So therefore, Islam always adopts saddu zari'a. Saddu zari'a means to nip it in the bud. And we don't allow the fire, and then we say we'll control the fire. No, Islam says there must be no fire in the first place. So that is why both parties should just read Salat on their own and not in conversation. 
Now, Wufti, a couple living apart due to haram social habits of the man, but not divorce, can the parents of the lady encourage uh, to rather have a talaq? In a case like that, where the couple are living estranged, they are still in nikah because the husband is slandering or humanizing or whatever else. So in a case like that, it is better for her, the lady, that she requests a talaq, and if the husband does not want to give a talaq, then she can go to the Muslim Judicial Council or any other organization they have confidence in and apply for a first of annulment of marriage. And in that way there, why should she be a wife of an immoral person? People will always say that he did this, he did this, and tarnish her reputation also. So in a case like that, it's better for her to move on with life, or take a talaq, or talaq is not possible, the husband is stubborn and obstinate, then Islam says you can take a fasakh and annulment of marriage. Now, Mufti, we are moving into a house that was occupied by Christians. What can be recited or performed before moving into the house? When you are going to a house which was occupied previously by non-Muslims, then read the entire Surah Baqarah, Surah number one is Surah Fatiha, and the second Surah al Islam means the whole Surah, almost two and a half Jews, that is Surah Baqarah. Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Iqra'u Surah Al-Baqarah, read Surah Baqarah, fa'inna akhadaha barakah, because the reading of it is a source of barakah and blessing, atarkaha hasra, and you're not reading it is a source of regret and remorse, and you know the evil forces cannot overpower it. So inshallah, if you read Surah Baqarah, all Allah will protect the people and the house, inshallah, from all evil forces. The voice of uh, Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussain, uh, you're on the voice that kept the program being Q&A. Remember, you can send us your questions via SMS on 47913. We are, however, not taking any calls. And I can tell you also that we're still dealing with last week's questions because we have received quite a few SMSs. So your question that you're sending through this evening might not be answered, but it will be answered hopefully, inshallah, next week. Mufti, our next question, it says, can I apply for a fasakh if my husband refuses to make salah? Remember, if the husband refuses to eat salah, then according to majority of the Sahaba, such a person is not even a Muslim. And according to Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, rahimahullah, that one of the four schools, the great Imam, even he says such person is out of the fall of Islam. We are in Makkah, Mukarramah, Alhamdulillah. If you ask the Honorable Imam of the Haram, Makkah, Mukarramah, Madinah, Munawwara, they will tell you such people are out of the fall of Islam because they follow the Hanbali school generally. So, but the Shafi'is, the Hanafis, the Malikis, they say such a person is a Muslim. My advice to you, sister, will be start the alim in your house, take the books of Fazail, Fazail of Salat, and so forth, by Hazrat Sheikh Rahimullah, and start reading that. And then tell your husband he must start reading Salat. If he refuses, then take a temporary separation. They try and go to your parents' place or your brother's place or uncle or somebody. So in that way, then he must realize that how you detest that he's not reading Salat and so forth. So my advice would not be that you just go for a fasakh, but try the ta'alim, inshallah, and a temporary separation and make a lot of dua for him. Inshallah. Now, Mufti, my husband got married behind my back, and I only found out after 10 years... I'm in the process of applying for a fasakh. Is this correct? 
Remember all Majallah teaches us for in that if the husband cannot exercise justice, then he must only have one wife. So obviously what your husband did is a shrewd, cunning person. Behind your back he went and he got married and after many years you came to realize that he got another wife. Now the question arises, can you go for Fasakh? No, you cannot go for Fasakh. Because remember, he's not guilty of adultery. He did get married to the lady there. But obviously, that the manner in which he's doing it and did it, that is not permissible. It's the wrong thing. So my advice to you, sister, don't let revenge come into this. He did something wrong in this sense. The method he approached and he carried out was not good and right. So now your emotions are getting the better of you. Say that fine, you will stay in the marriage, but you must practice on justice. That is what you must impose. That you got two wives now, so you must do justice one night, one night, one week, one week, whatever you all agree on. So that is what you must do. Now, Mufti, am I allowed to recite my entire salah loudly, that being in ruku, sujood, tahya, etc., for the sole purpose of familiarizing my children's memory with this salah? Ma'am, Mufti, that is the bad, is the body. Can you repeat the question, please, Inshallah. On this question, Mufti, it says, am I allowed to recite my entire salah loudly, uh, meaning in ruku, sujood, tahya, etc., for the sole purpose of familiarizing my children's memory for the salah? If the father is dead and he is performing salah at home and he reads the salah loudly, so he's not and now she's reading the salah and she's beginning the mat salah and she's got, for example, both behind her so that is fine, according to the Shafi'is and Hanbalis, the lady can imam for peace. If you are speaking about you as a mother want to make imam and you have sons and you have male and female behind, so that will not be permissible in that case there, although your intention is noble. So what you should do is this, you should tell them that this is how you perform salat and so forth, but not the actual salat that you know you are just teaching them Seeing so forth, so that would be fine, but not during the salat itself. Inshallah, the voice of Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussain, and as you heard there, the line is uh, slightly crackling there. And of course, uh, Mufti on the line from Qatal uh, Mukarama. What we're going to do is quickly pay the bills. When we come back, uh, we continue with the program QA. Welcome back uh, to the Airways of uh, the Voice of the Cape. We continue now with the program Q&A uh, on 91.3 FM. Going on to our next question, it says, uh, Mufti, my husband is suffering from impotence. Is it permissible to use medication or uh, what is acceptable in Islam? In Islam, such a person is called inneen and obviously that he must go for some treatment. He cannot keep his wife just hungry all the time and deprived all the time because the wife also has rights over him. So in Islam, we will say that one year will be given to him, and then within the one year, he must try his level best. And today, mashallah, we know that there are various types of medication available and so forth. So inshallah, the brother should try all these things, and then all Allah will make him fire on all cylinders, inshallah. I mean, inshallah. Now, Mufti, I've wrote a particular exam four times. Is there any dua directed at uh, this challenge as I filled it? Whenever difficulty comes our way, then read abundantly, Hasbun Allah, Allah is sufficient for us. 
Now, Mufti, my husband gave me three talaqs. He made witness our son who's underage and his brother. Is this valid? Definitely all three talaqs are valid. Obviously, that he should not have done that. But seeing he's uttered it or wrote it out and his witnesses also. So definitely, according to Shafi's, Maliki's, Hanafi's, Hanbali's, everybody, all three talaqs are valid. And sister, my advice to you is, there's no need for you now to go to this person or that sheikh or that imam or maulana or organization that on this issue all four schools agree. You must sit in your idiot and thereafter remember you are totally out of the clutches of this husband. You cannot remarry him, you cannot reconcile with him. Now you are totally haram for one another. Tell him to move out from that house. And if the house belongs to him, then he must maintain, sustain you for the Iddat period, which is three periods of cleanliness, according to the Shafi'is and the Malikis, and according to the Hanafis and Hanbalis, it is the three periods of menses. And remember that he must maintain you during that period, because that is compulsory upon him. Shukran, going on to our next question, Mufti, says... Uh uh, if you got married but you can't produce a certificate and never got paid a dowry, is this acceptable? The nikah is valid, although the dowry has not been paid or there's no certificate, but the nikah is valid provided that there were some witnesses, there were two men and so forth. However, the men must pay the dowry and the mahar because you know that he can't be just playing free of charge. You must pay, brother. You must patal, you know. Mm-hmm. And second issue is the imam, the sheikh who performed the nikah, go back to him and tell him that he should give you the certificate because sometimes these legal documents, for example, you require a visa or something for umrah or for hajj and then they ask you for your nikah certificate. So if the surnames are different, for example, so all these are things that for logistical reasons you should try and have it. Shukran, Mufti, my friend is engaged to someone, but they don't have much in common. They are bored with each other already. Should they still get married? Just repeat the question, Mawazin, please. It says, Mufti, my friend is engaged to someone, but they don't have much in, com- in common. They are bored with each other. Should they still get married? In a case like this, where they don't have common interest, the best thing for them to do is that both parties should make istikhara. Istikhara is you consult with all Allah. The boy is Abu Bakr, for example, the daughter is, the, the, the girl is, rather not the daughter, the girl is Fatima, for example. So both parties, and then say, Ya Allah, Allahumma khirli wa khtarli. Allahumma, oh beloved Allah, khirli, you select the best for me, wa and you choose for me. And then if they get a positive feeling, both of them, they should go ahead and get married as soon as possible. But if both of them get a negative feeling or one of them get a negative feeling, then it is better they call it off. 
Inshallah. Shukran indeed, Mufti. Our final question for this evening. It says, Salam Mufti, when one's husband passes on, does the in-laws need to nafaka uh, you until the Idda period is completed? What will happen is not the responsibility of the in-laws. The husband, when he passed away from his estate, then that amount should be taken and then to be nafaka and maintain the wife now whose husband passed away, the widow. And if there isn't much there, then we will say that what about the sons? That, for example, if their sons were working, then it will be upon them. And, for example, if they are minors and small or they don't have work and so forth, then the father-in-law can come and assist and so forth. So yes, they should try and assist, but you follow a certain sequence. First, you take from the estate, if there is sufficient there, then the sons or then the father-in-law. And in that way, they, they should be the one assisting this lady. One musibah calamity came on her already. She just lost her husband. So now they should not leave her in a lurch. They should try and ensure that she is taken care of. And of course, uh, the last few minutes of Q&A and that uh, we leave uh, over to Mufti now to give us about, uh, we've got about three minutes left to give us some beautiful nasikha uh, from the Holy Lands of Makkah, inshallah. Mufti. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Makkah Mukabama, according to us as Muslims, is our unanimous belief the most holiest and most sacred land on this part of the world, in the entire world, in the entire planet. So what is Makkah Mukarramah called in the Noble Qur'an? Five names. Makkah. Why is it called Makkah? Because everywhere in the world we are master somebody, master somebody. We are big politicians, we are big millionaires, we are this, we are that. But when we come Makkah, people don't bother about us. We performing tawaf, people will just push us one side. So remember that Makkah reduces us to Mr. Nobody, Allah, Akbar, Majesty, Greatness, Might, everything is solely, only for all, Mahdi Allah. So we become a Master and Mr. Nobody. Fakka, inna awwala baytu hudiyalin nasilalladhi bi bakka. The ulama have written, Bakka means to cry. When we just look at the Baytullah in his glory, in his magnificence, then the tears already roll down, Ya Allah. I'm such a big transgressor and sinner, and out of your grace and mercy and benevolence, you have extended this invitation to me. Oh Allah, how can I ever thank you enough? You have invited me. I am to you for Rahman, from the guest of all, Mahdi Allah, so bakka to cry. Third one, we all know the surah. The city of safety and security. You see a lady, 12 o'clock, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock at night. She goes and she's performing tawaf. So the city of peace, of tranquility, so much security there is from all Mighty Allah Azzawajallah's side. So therefore it is called Baladul Amin. And the fourth one, Ma'ad. We go to A, B, C place, X, Y, Z place, twice, thrice, four times. We fed up. Makkah, Mukarrama. We want to come time and again, time and again. La duka ila ma'ad. We just perform Umrah or Hajj. We raise our hands. Oh Allah, take me back to Baytullah. Take me back to Makkah, Mukarrama. It has a magnetic impact and effect. Wa al So that's the fourth name, ma'ad. 
and the first name Umm al-Qura. It is the mother of all towns and all cities. And remember how a mother, she gives everything to her children and she maintains the unity. From Makkah, Mukarrama, we can be in space, we can be in the water, we can be in the land or sand. So when it is Salat time, then for unity and uniformity, we face the Baytullah, the Kaaba Musharrafah, to read our Salat. The non-Muslims ask the question that why do you go round and round the Baytullah, the Kaaba? So we explain to them when your clothing get dirty, then you take it and place it in the washing machine and it spins and goes round and round, comes out white and clean. The Muslim goes round the Baytullah to show his love for Allah, his respect for all Allah, imitating all the prophets and messengers. And for us, all the immortals and believers, we say, that we are filled with sin, and when we go around the Baytullah, how the clothing came out white and clean, we come out pure and cleansed from our sins. May Almighty Allah accept our Umrah, our Hajj, our Ziyarat to Madina Munawwara, Allah Majal Hajjana, Hajjam Mabrura, wa Sa'ayana Sa'ayam Mashkura, wa Zambana Zambam Makhura, wa Tijaratana Tijarat Allam Tabur, Ya Alima Maafi Sudur. Jazakallah khairan to you, my brother Muhammad Zain. Barakallah fikum to all the listeners of Voice of the Cape. You make dua for us. Zil Hijjah is going to start. And remember the first ten nights of Zil Hijjah, very important. Quran Kareem says, Walayal in Ashr. Then the first ten nights of Zil Hijjah, Allah Ta'ala takes a qasab. And we should try and read abundant Quran, make tawbah. We should be fasting during the first nine days of Zil Hijjah. And then on the tenth, we make the qurban, inshallah. So may all Allah give us tawfiq. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Jazakallah khair, Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussain. Allah protect and guide you. And of course, yes, you are in our du'as together with all the other khujaj. Allah protect and guide you, inshallah, and grant you a hajj that is makbul uh, and maburur, inshallah. And we look forward to speaking to you again, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.